Hi, my name is Mike Herbster. I'm privileged to be the director of Southland Christian Camp Ministries. For over 25 years, Southland has centered itself around the ministry of preaching. We believe that God uses the foolishness of preaching to convict hearts and transform lives. Our prayer is that today's sermon would push you to become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you listen, would you carefully evaluate your life in light of God's Word and take the appropriate action to grow in your walk with Him? We hope that you will enjoy today's message. music, encouraging, uplifting, Christ-exalting. Certainly appreciate that and the great breakfast this morning as well. Grateful for that. If you would open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Genesis chapter 39 and verse 1. The Word of God records here. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt... And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him, or bought him, excuse me, of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master, wotteth not what is with me in the house? He hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. Because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her, by, to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she called him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. We're preaching in these sessions on the mature Christian man. And last night we opened by saying that the first thing I wanted to emphasize that characterizes a mature Christian man is his spiritual progress. A mature Christian man not only makes a profession of faith in Christ, but a mature Christian man takes seriously the blessed privilege of being a disciple of Jesus. And they progress in the things of the Lord. And uh, this morning, I want to preach on the thought that not only is a mature Christian man characterized by spiritual progress, but a mature Christian man is characterized by sexual purity. 
And uh, we come here to the life of Joseph. Joseph is an incredible study. I mean, in the life of Joseph, we see amazing lessons on the unseen operations of God's providence. How that God's providence overruled those who schemed against him and caused uh, uh, all of these things that seemed so evil to actually work for good as far as Joseph was concerned and the people of Israel. And uh, also uh, the typology in the life of Joseph. It's, it's just uh, incredible. Joseph is a wonderful type of Christ. Uh, of course, I've heard some great preaching on that. One of the best I ever heard on that was done by Adrian Rogers. But, of course, if Dr. Rogers preached on it, it about was the best. <laughs> uh, but I heard him preach just an amazing uh, message on how Joseph is a type of Christ. But, but the thing that's interesting about Joseph is not only is Joseph a type of Christ, he's a type of Antichrist. And in, in, the, um, in the administrative work that he did and in the dependence upon the government that the people had, incidentally, it's not good for a people uh, to be dependent upon the government. We are supposed to be dependent upon God. Now, God has a worthy, uh, government has a wonderful purpose to serve. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but, beloved, we are called to not cry out to the government to help us, to, but to cry out to the Lord to help us. But it's none of those that I want to preach on this morning. What I want to preach on this morning is how Joseph overcame sexual temptation. You see, the life of Joseph, it seemed as if his life was followed by the plotters of evil. And here we find one such plotter of sin on his trail again, Potiphar's wife. And she here comes and she entices Joseph with one of the most enticing sins that a man can be confronted with in his natural state, and in particularly a young man can be confronted with. But thank God Joseph overcame it. And I take great comfort in that because that means I can overcome it. And so this morning, I want you to notice some things with me about how he overcame this sexual temptation. Number one, I want you to see with me the target of sexual temptation. The target of sexual temptation. Now, it is true that we're all tempted, but it is equally true that uh, Satan has some, I can't say it this morning, strategic spots that he, won't, uh, that he focuses in on. Uh, now, we see that um, uh, most importantly in the life of Christ when Satan came personally and tempted the Lord. And I, I want to say right here uh, that just because you're tempted, it doesn't mean that you're evil. Uh, Jesus was tempted, but obviously he wasn't evil. Uh, he was tempted in all parts like as we are yet without sin, Hebrews 4.15. And I also want to say that temptation is not sin. And, you know, sometimes people just carry guilt over temptation. And, and uh, I would submit to you that that shouldn't be so. You should not have guilt over being tempted because temptation is not a sin. Temptation is a solicitation to do evil. And, uh, and so what we find here is that uh, the enemy focused in on Joseph because of the strategic position that he had. Uh, the enemy focused in on Jesus because Jesus was important. Now, obviously, none of us are as important in the redemptive purposes of God as Jesus. I mean, that's the understatement of the year. Uh, we're just getting started in 2019, but you won't find a bigger understatement than that. 
However, I do want to say to you that you are tempted because you are important. You are important when it comes to the redemptive purposes of God. And we see here uh, that the one that was tempted is one who was, ex- who was exemplifying the proof of salvation. He is one who was exemplifying the proofs of salvation. Notice what the Bible says in verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian brought him, or bought him, excuse me, of the hand of the Ishmaelites, which brought him down thither. Now, notice verse 3. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper. I want to emphasize this morning that the one who is tempted here is one who is exemplifying the proofs of salvation. Now, in verse 1, the Bible says that Joseph's master was an Egyptian. Now, I think that's a remarkable statement. Because basically what that means is, is he was steeped in paganism. And he was probably given to idolatrous practices. But Joseph was with, uh, was with God in such a way, and the Lord was with Joseph in such a way, that even this Egyptian man saw that the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph was exemplifying the reality of the true and living God. Joseph was exemplifying the proofs of salvation. And sexual temptation came to one who was exemplifying the proofs of salvation. You see, Joseph's testimony was so effective that even the pagan world recognized it. And what I I want to try to get home to your heart and my heart this morning is, is when you have an identifiable faith, you are going to be tempted by the enemy. Because you are accomplishing a wonderful work for the Lord. Sexual temptation come to one who was exemplifying the proofs of salvation. And incidentally, I want to say all of us as Christians ought to have an identifiable faith. You see, Satan is on the trail of God's people uh, because you have a testimony to the saving grace of God. And he knows that if he can tear that down, then he is going to affect others as well. And so we find here the target of temptation is one who is exemplifying the proofs of salvation, but also he is one who is uh, executing the position of a steward. Notice what the Bible says in verse 4. Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him and made him overseer over his house and all that he had put into his hand. So Joseph was executing the position of a steward. The Bible says here that Joseph was an overseer. And uh, so Joseph's actions obviously had far-reaching consequences. Uh, And and the the point is, is, is he was in a position where his actions directly affected other people. And you and I are going to, we're, as men, we are going to face sexual temptation because what we do affects other people. I am speaking to stewards this morning. I'm speaking to people that God has placed you over. You see, all of us have some leadership capacity. We are stewards of homes. We are stewards of, of, of course, our profession of faith. We are stewards of, of uh, at the position, uh, the occupation that we have. And 
Some of you are uh, the steward of a Sunday school class. Some of you are the stewards of a church. You're the uh, pastor of a church. Some of you serve as a deacon uh, or, or in some other capacity where your actions affect other people. And so uh, jo- Joseph was being tempted, number one, because he was exemplifying the proofs of salvation. Number two, because he was, ex- he was executing the position of a steward. And, and uh, I want you to, to take that to heart this morning. I want you to see the importance of that. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 14, verse 7, that none of us liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. So we find here the target of temptation, the target of sexual temptation. Number one, one who's exemplifying the proofs of salvation. Number two, one who is executing the position of a steward. And I just like to say, I like to tell our church this sometimes. Better churches than our church has fallen. But I also like to say this, better men than myself have fallen. This is a very, very crucial thing. Uh, one of the greatest men I ever knew, one of the greatest preachers I ever knew. I, in fact, I tried to mimic him when I started. That's how much I loved him. That's how much I respected him, which that's not healthy. You know, you're not supposed to do that. You learn not to do that. I mean, but when you first get started, you do dumb things like that. You know, you find somebody you really like and you actually even like do their mannerisms, you know. And, uh, but he, he actually ended up being overcome by this and uh, just incredibly grieving. So it, it, listen to me, it can happen to you, but it don't have to happen to you. And so we find here uh, that also the target of sexual temptation was one who was enjoying the prosperity of servanthood. Notice what the Bible says in verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. The Bible says in uh, verse number 3, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. The Bible says in verse 5, It came to pass from the time that he made him overseer in the house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house. And so in Joseph, we find one who's not only exemplifying the proofs of salvation, one who is executing the position of a steward, but also one who is enjoying the prosperity of servanthood. Do you know one of the lies that Satan wants to push is he wants to push uh, the lie that it does not pay to serve God. One of the things that Satan is trying to get across to this world is that the Christian life, being a disciple of Jesus, being a follower of Jesus, it's a miserable life. It's an absolutely wretched life. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's just like I preached last night. If you want real joy and real happiness, give your heart to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. But when there is one who is enjoying the prosperity of servanthood, Satan and his evil spirits who help him are going to put that individual in their target. Because they don't want that getting out. That blessings come to the one who who knows the Lord and serves God. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 1, verse 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. 
But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Beloved, I want to tell you, hey, that's still true. (laughs) I mean, I hope you're not so much of a dispensationalist that you can't get into that. Because that's still true. Amen. Jesus said, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. It was Jesus who said in Mark chapter 10, verses 29 and 30, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. I'm not trying to be carnal, but I want to say it pays to serve God. It does pay to serve God. God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ. You have many needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, relational needs, financial needs. It doesn't say he'll supply all your greed, but it says he'll supply all you need. And I want to tell you, he will supply all of your need. And so we find here the target of sexual temptation. But also notice not only the target of sexual temptation, but the tactics of sexual temptation. Notice what the Bible says in verse 7. It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, lie with me. I want you to notice here, number one, the daring of this temptation. How daring it is. I mean, her words are absolutely shameless. Uh, Decency, reputation, conscience are all sacrificed. Now the good news about this is you can recognize it. (laughs) I mean, generally speaking, you can recognize sexual temptation. Now I I would submit to you, you can become vulnerable and and you can begin to cultivate relationships with women that you shouldn't that could result in more enticing situations. Now, I I do want to say that I understand that's a reality. And a lot of folks have done that on Facebook. We had a pastor in our area, lost his ministry, lost his church because he began to strike up a relationship with an old flame on Facebook. It may have been innocent at first, but it didn't end innocently. Bible says to make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof in Romans chapter number 13. I don't say these things in a judgmental way. I say these things to be helpful. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11, we're not ignorant of his devices. But I would like to say that Frankly, most of the time, sexual temptation is illicit. You can recognize it. And we find here that we don't have to be ignorant of it. We see how daring this temptation is. But I want to say also we see here not only how daring this temptation is, but the dailiness of this temptation. Notice what the Bible says in verse 10. It came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. She was persistent. 
The enemy is persistent in temptation. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31, he said, I die daily. We must ever be on guard. We cannot afford to take a vacation spiritually because Satan doesn't take one. This is a temptation that came daily. But notice also not only the daring of it and the dailiness of it, but the, the despite of it. The Bible says in verse 12, it says, And she called him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Now, to, dis, to despite Joseph's prior obedience, she kept coming. And I want to say this morning that Satan, he, don't, uh, he is strong-willed. In spite of your prior obedience as it relates to this, he thinks he can get you and he's going to keep coming. <laughs> he's not going to let up. As I've already alluded to, there have been people who for years have had a, a record of prior obedience as it related to this. But then, in a moment, uh, an unguarded moment, they fell to this temptation. You see, we, we must ever be vigilant. You don't need to get it in. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, about verse 12, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Amen. You don't need to get it in your head that you're immune to this just because you have a record of success. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, to be sober, to be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I'm gonna say it like the old black preacher said it. I hope somebody hears me this morning. I really hope somebody hears me this morning. Because the truth is, in the hour that we live in, in a crowd this size, I'm looking at, or unfortunately, but for the grace of God, a statistic is preaching to you. That's how real this is. So number one, we see the target of sexual temptation. Number two, we see the tactics of sexual temptation. But number three, I want you to see the triumph over sexual temptation. I'm glad we can be triumphant over sexual temptation. And we get some insight here from the life of Joseph as to how we can do that. You know, God has promised us that he will never allow us to be tempted above our ability to bear, and he will make a way of escape. <laughs> you know those ways of escape. They can be downright astonishing. <laughs> That's the truth. Phone ring. Maybe your mind is going somewhere it should. Phone a ring. Kid, a picture of it. That's a blessing. God is making a way of escape. Amen. And so what we find here is the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear. Number one, Joseph overcame this temptation through the presence of the Savior. The Bible says in verse number two, and the Lord was with Joseph. There's the key. 
The number one key to overcoming sexual temptation is the presence and the power of Jesus. A man was asked since he was saved and born again and had become a follower of Jesus, he was asked if he now had the victory of the devil. He said, no, I don't have the victory, but I got the victor. You know, that's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 37. It says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. There is no area where we need to suffer defeat because there was no area where Jesus suffered defeat. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. Somebody said it's hard to live the Christian life. I want to tell you, I want to go one step further than that. I want to say it's impossible to live the Christian life. Never been but one person that did it. Jesus. But Jesus gave himself for us so he could give himself to us and live his life through us. Jesus is described in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 4 as being our life. Christ is our life. There's not but one victorious life. But if you've been born again, that victorious life indwells you. And you through a life of communion with Jesus and being a follower of Jesus and humbling yourself before him and being his disciple and being his learner, you can draw on his strength and his victorious life can flow through you. Second Corinthians chapter nine verse eight says, God is able to make all grace abound towards us so that we always have an all sufficiency and all things may abound unto every good work. And so how did Joseph overcome? He overcome through the presence of the Savior. But also he overcame sexual temptation through the perception of the sensible. Joseph was a very sensible person, a very spiritually sensible person. In verse 8 he says, But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wanteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There's none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph was not concentrating on what he did not have. He was focusing on what he did have. You know, the problem with Eve in the garden is instead of focusing on all that she had, she got caught up in looking at the one tree she didn't have. Well, we see a contrast here in the life of Joseph because through his discernment and his perception and his sensibility, he says, look, look at what I have socially. Look at what has been done for me. Look at how good my master has been to me. And this sensibility helped him to overcome this temptation. What Joseph was saying is, he's saying, I got a lot more to lose than I have to gain. I've got a lot more to lose socially than I have to gain. So do you. And so do I. But also he said, how can I do this and sin against God? He said, I have a unique relationship with the Lord. The Lord's with me. Hey, is Jesus in your life? If you've been born again, you've got a unique relationship with the Lord. I mean, the Bible says you are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus You have the communion of the Holy Spirit. You have assurance. You have the love of God. You have joy and peace, which passes all understanding. And on and on we could go. Uh, 
And Joseph is saying, I have a lot more to lose, not only socially than I have to gain, but I have a lot more to lose spiritually than I have to gain. I want to read this to you. There was a man in a leadership magazine, a pastor many years ago, who wrote this. He said, whenever I'm feeling particularly vulnerable to sexual temptation, he says, I find it helpful to review the effects such actions could have. And some of these things are, he mentions, number one, grieving the Lord who redeemed me. Number two, one day having to look Jesus in the face and give an account of my actions. Number three, inflicting untold hurt on your best friend and loyal wife. Losing her respect and trust. Thinking about that breaks my heart. Have you ever seen a woman that's had her heart broken like that? Incredible pain. Grief. And my precious wife, that I would be guilty of that. Hurting my children. Hurting my beloved daughters. Destroying my example and my credibility with my children and nullifying both present and future efforts to teach them to obey God. Causing shame to my family. Creating a form of guilt awfully hard to shake. Even though God would forgive me, would I forgive myself? Forming memories and flashbacks that could plague future intimacy with my wife. Wasting years of ministry training and experience for a long time, maybe permanently. Undermining the faithful example and hard work of other Christians in our community. Bringing great pleasure to Satan, the enemy of God, and all that is good. Possibly bearing the physical consequences of such diseases as gonorrhea, syphilis, herpes, AIDS, perhaps infecting my wife, or in the case of AIDS, even causing her death. That's the perception of the sensible. What that pastor was saying is, I stand to lose a lot more than I stand to gain. And the truth is, we do stand to lose a lot more then we stand again. How did Joseph overcome sexual temptation? Number one, through the presence of the Savior. Number two, through the perception of the sensible. And number three, he overcame sexual temptation through the principle of separation. You know that's still in the Bible. Second <laughs> Corinthians six seventeen. Come out from among them and be your separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I'm not a Bible scholar, but I think that whenever you practice the principle of separation, it carries with it special blessings from God. I don't know what the Greek says there, but the English is pretty clear. You're in a unique covenant relationship with God. He overcome through the principle of separation. Joseph here fled. Notice what the Bible says in verse 11. It says, it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business and there was none of the men of the house there within and she called him by his garment saying, lie with me and he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. This is not cowardness. This is conviction and courage of the highest order. 
2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 says, Flee youthful lust. When it comes to overcoming uh, uh, sexual temptation, we have got to practice the principle of separation. And I want to be very practical with this and say, you've got to understand that there are some situations that I put myself in that make me vulnerable. And I heard a, a Bible teacher go through this one time. Go back and think about times in your life when you've fallen, whenever you've sinned. There was always steps that led up to it. Because here, here's the thing, and I'm, I'm going to bring this to a close in just a moment. Here's the thing. You see, if you're brought up in a hardline fundamentalist background, and I'm an independent fundamental Baptist preacher, but a young man can even become somewhat, uh, if he, in other words, he can actually be confused about this. Like, for instance, if I was on the way home, if I see an image that's inappropriate, and like, basically, I see the image, but I immediately reject it, refocus my mind. That's not really even temptation. That's a thought. That, and it's certainly not sin. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, he said, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But he said, I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust. See, every word of God is important. Whoever looks on her to lust after her hath committed adultery with her in his heart. That's cultivated lusting. That is leaning in to the solicitation to evil. But I would remind you there's a difference between a thought and a temptation, and there's a difference between a temptation and sin. And what I was saying earlier about some of these, uh, some of these young men, just because you see an image that you don't mean you sinned. You recognize that for what it is. You reject it and you refocus your thoughts. Because you're tempted in this area doesn't mean that you've actually sinned. Jesus was talking about, he was talking about cultivated lusting. Here's my point when it comes to the principle of separation. If you look, you, you'll see a pattern. You'll see where you are being put in a particular, you're being put in particular scenarios. And what I'm saying is, is you've got to be wise enough and humble enough to recognize those situations, those scenarios, and separate yourself from them. In other words, do not put yourself in that situation where you are vulnerable to being overcome by this temptation. How did Joseph overcome sexual temptation? He did it through the presence of the Savior. He did it through the perception of the sensible. And he did it through the principle of separation. It's been said many times, but it's so true. It's better to lose a good coat than to lose a good conscience. Paul said in Acts chapter 24, he said, Herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience that is void of offense towards God and towards men. I quoted Dr. Rogers earlier, and I can remember Dr. Rogers preaching one time on sexual sin. And uh, I was raised in northeast Mississippi, very close to Memphis. So in addition to his nationwide ministry, I was obviously, I, I could basically see his local broadcast. So I was influenced by that great man of God. But I could remember him one time preaching on sexual sin. And Dr. Rogers said, you know, sometimes ministers are caught in this sin. 
in this sexual sin and they continue in ministry. In other words, because nobody knows about it. And he said, and I'm not quoting him word for word, but in essence what he said is, he said, for the life of me, I do not see how they can do that without their conscience just absolutely crucifying them yep. and condemning them. If you don't have a good conscience, it's going to affect your ability to witness. That's the reason we're supposed to exercise ourselves to have a good conscience. So there he is, number one, the target of sexual temptation. You're the target of it. I'm the target of it. There's the tactics of sexual temptation, but thanks be to Jesus, there is the triumph over sexual temptation. And I'm convinced that a lot of men have experienced that. You know, there's a lot of men, their stories have never come out because they got wise and they repented and they overcame it. And so can you this morning. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you can only do it with Jesus. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland Podcast. May the message you've just heard be truth that transforms your heart and life. Christ loves you and wants you to grow in his grace through salvation and sanctification. If you've never placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, we'd love to talk to you personally. Please give us a call at 318-894-9154 or shoot me an email at mherpster at southlandcamp.org. Christ has promised eternal life and a life worth living if you will only believe in Him. May the Lord bless you in your pursuit of Christ-like living. Tune in next time right here for another message on the Southland Podcast.